Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Word started coming down yesterday, a little before 11 o'clock, and then the word spread and a lot of people were concerned about what was going on at Oakland Catholic, at Central Catholic High School, in and around the Pitt University, University of Pittsburgh area. And then it was a couple of other places in western Pennsylvania. And then today, a community college in North Carolina. So many people dealing with the hoax of an active shooter when it turned out there wasn't an active shooter and there weren't any victims either. Joining us right now on the Disk Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline is our guest, Dr. Tammy Hughes with Duquesne University, where she is not only a professor, but she also is somebody who is a licensed psychologist and certified school psychologist as well. Dr. Hughes, it's wonderful to have you on KDK. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. So when you heard the news about what was going on in Oakland yesterday, if somebody who's in your line of work, what went through your head? Uh, Before I knew that it was unfounded, I knew that schools were going through their lockdown procedures and their crisis response procedures. There's a whole team of mental health professionals that are trained uh, to deal with just these issues. So I knew that I knew that that had been started. When you found out that it was a hoax, did it change sort of your thinking as to what the um, the conversation was going to be? I mean, obviously, from the, the standpoint of we weren't talking about any kind of a loss of life, but you could see the looks on the faces of children and of parents, and of teachers, and of administrators, that while there was not a loss of life, it doesn't change the fact that the fear was real. Correct? That's absolutely correct. I was glad to hear there wasn't a loss of life, but I also know that they had already been through a a traumatic experience, that the end was better than we thought is was good, but that doesn't negate what happened. So how do we move forward from this? I mean, from either what happened in Nashville or what was reported but didn't happen in Pittsburgh and or Winston-Salem and or a myriad of other places all around the country where these hoaxes seem to be on the rise. Um, certainly there was a, a hoaxes in Colorado. They are also reporting them in Utah. And like you said, they're continuing today. So um, I don't think that this experience is over. I think it's still um, happening. What we do to move on is we have to recalibrate and rethink about um, how we're dealing with trauma and traumatic experiences going forward. We already had an increase in mental health symptoms in children pre-pandemic. And the pandemic has uh, made those symptoms worse. And so our school systems, our teachers and parents are really dealing with quite a lot. And this just, you know, adds more to their plate. 
You mentioned that the fear was real and they'd already undergone the trauma or the scarring, if you will, in terms of not knowing what was going on right there. Do you have a different conversation with them now based on the ultimate outcome of what happened yesterday? Well, part of the problem with what's happened yesterday, there's several issues that need to be addressed. One is we don't want there to be uh, anything casual you know, kind of a a cry wolf too often that is a result of this. So then people start, you know, not paying attention in the same way. The other thing that's changed um, since yesterday is because these um, hoaxes need to be evaluated thoroughly, there's a space between facts getting out and it's still sort of unraveling uh, across the country. And so that really you know, is just opportunity for rumors, opportunity for conspiracies, opportunity for misinformation and disinformation. I'd like to get your opinion on whether or not these sorts of incidents should be reported by news media. There has long been sort of a notion within the media that suicides were not something that were reported on or even attempted suicides were not something that uh, that that media outlets oftentimes would report upon for the fear of there being either copycats or if somebody was threatening something with a parcel or something like that at a a courthouse or a school or something like that, that it wouldn't be reported for fear of the copycat. Same sort of question, though, going in this. Is this something that we should be reporting, in your estimation? Or is this something that we can do away with others sort of doing a Me Too by ignoring it from a mainstream media standpoint? So the, the answer to that is complicated. We do know that when there's glorification of shooters, um, and we tend to um, put our own spin on how these shooters work, meaning um, they're lone wolves. They've been, you know, we characterize them in very specific ways that don't actually um, capture the, the complexities into, into how these things develop. Mm-hmm. So that glorification, like you said, can increase the probability of things happening. Having said that, I would say being able to study and learn and look at school shootings, we don't want there to be a diminished interest in something so, um, you know, heinous. What about the conversation around the dinner table for parents and their kids later in the day, later in the week, this weekend when things have sort of calmed down a little bit? How would you direct that conversation between the, uh, the parents and the kids? Well, I think there's a couple of things. First, we'd have to, you know, think about the developmental level, and I'll, I'll come right back to that, of how old the kids are. But there needs to be an appreciation among the community of that these kids, our kids today, have been in lockdown drills their whole education yeah, <laughs> experience. that's true. And we, um, we haven't been always uh, really super great at that. We've had to learn mistakes and how to make them feel safe for kids. So having said that, for, with little kids, what we want to do is we want to focus on safety and that school is a safe place. And we might highlight things that are very concrete. This is how quickly the police responded. They took it very seriously. Here's the actions that they're doing. Reassuring safety. For older kids, um, that won't be enough for them. Uh, what we need to talk about with them are 
things like the possibility of something happening versus the probability of something happening at your school and to you. Um, of course, anything is possible, but this isn't actually an event that is very probable. Having said all of that, um, I would invite kids of all ages to give feedback. What makes you feel safe? What do you think went well? What could we have done differently? What do you think the school should have done better? Opening those conversations is really what parents um, and schools need to, to think about with their kids. Help me to balance how much should be talking by parents as opposed to listening by parents now? <laughs> well, parents would need to be listening most. Um, I would say the thing to avoid is the re-watching it on TV, re-watching it on social media, um, re-bringing those feelings forward. Having said that, if kids um, are looking to parents on how to respond, and they are, they're looking to the adults, being able to demonstrate calm, being able to say, you know what, I was afraid, and here's what helped me. I took some deep breaths. I knew that the school knew what they were doing. I trusted the police, or whatever the words that they would say. Being able to explain their own thought processes about themselves is very helpful, rather than telling kids you know, how they should feel or think. Yeah. Dr. Tammy Hughes, thank you very, very much for being here. We very much appreciate your perspective on these things and your learned opinions. Thank you. Thank you so much. She is a professor at Duquesne University, Ph.D. from Arizona State University, a licensed psychologist, child psychologist, and board certified as well. And we very much appreciate her being here. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.